Trying to save your souls from damnation So if you down with the message Tune in every week It will lead you to the message that you seek Uh Season 9, Episode 1. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Shout out to everybody that has helped us to get this far so far. As you see, the studio look brand new and fresh. Shout out to everyone that contributes. Shout out to everybody that helped. Special <laughs> big shout out to Kamel in the building. Hey, man. We appreciate it, my brother. You know, I'm always here when I can. So as we move forward in the spirit of togetherness and as we move forward in a spirit of unity you see that we continue to build upon the success that we've had over the years and continue to move forward and continue to motivate um we have two special guests on the show today from out of town from different places so introduce yourself tony you go first since you're on the screen already happy new year's man <laughs> happy new year happy new year what's going on everybody uh, i'm from detroit west side uh, I currently reside in Houston. Uh, big ups to you guys for having us on. Appreciate it. Detroit's in the house, man. Hi, hi, hi. We also have another guest. Introduce yourself. I'm Guy Morris. I'm uh, from California, Southern California. I'm a beach boy, and, uh, old sailor. And I'm now living in the cold, frigid Puget Sound. Uh, it's a beautiful view, but it's a little bit icy. Oh, wow. What a change, man. What a change. <laughs> so let's start off with you, Guy. Um, since you're already on the screen and you said that you grew up in Sully, California, but su Southern California, sorry, but then you moved to a place that's cold now. Why Why is the sudden change, like Kamel said? Uh, well, Microsoft moved me up here. I had a 36, I'm now retired, but for a long time I had a big career in, in, uh, in Fortune 100 companies and worked for big oil companies and traveled around the world and worked for IBM and Oracle and Unisys and Microsoft with a couple of startups in between. And uh, Microsoft would be up here about 20 years ago now, 21 years, and uh, I've kind of got stuck here. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So you got to like it a little, maybe. I mean, so we're retired. Wife loves it. It is beautiful. In the summertime, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, as I tell everybody, I said, you don't get it. Where I come from, if it gets all the way down to 70 degrees, that's dead winter. <laughs> if it gets down to 65 degrees, that's an Arctic chill, but the sweet lady on the news says it'll pass. Oh, wow. Um, so it, it's a, but as I said, we have a beautiful, we have a nice house. I have a view of the Puget Sound, so it's a beautiful view. And um, I, I can't complain other than the fact that um, uh, when it's 70 degrees, my body's telling me it's dead winter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, wow. So what got you into podcasting? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, I, I published three books uh, over the last couple of years. My first one came out in uh, November 2020. The second one came out in uh, July of 21. And I just released my third book, The Last Ark, in November 23. What inspired you to write? I find um, a lot of people we've been talking to have writers. I mean, well, a, yeah. a lifetime of experiences and some amazing discoveries um, that, that uh, kind of all added up together. Um, my books, I write thrillers uh, because I love writing books that um, take people places <laughs> and some things that they may not know, probably not, and then but do it in a really entertaining, fun format where you're really wanting to turn the page to find out what's going to happen next and how that how that's going to resolve itself. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, writers like Michael Crichton and, and James and James Rollins and Steve Barry and Dan Brown. And actually, I've been I've been fortunate that uh, my books have often been compared to Dan Brown, uh, Robert Ludlum, and, and even recently somebody said that uh, if Tom Clancy and Dan Brown were to write a book together, it would look like my third book, The Last Ark. Oh, wow. So um, those are my inspirations. But the real key, one of the things that it was a true event that actually sparked the um, um, well, actually several of them that sparked different books, but. All my books are based on something real that either happened to me or, or something real that happened in the world that just I obsessed over and couldn't couldn't get out of my head and, and had to write about. The, okay. the event that started the swarm like and an the dark, <laughs> which would both have to do with um, the combination of artificial intelligence and art and other advanced technologies racing ahead of our uh, ability to control them, either legally or morally, mm -hmm. um, political and religious corruption. And then, um, and, and events around the world uh, actually started when I discovered a short article. This was all true. Uh, that was an Associated Press article, so it wasn't some junk, you know, junk story. And the article said that a program had escaped the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories at Sandia. A program? Now, that's an NSA spy lab. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I cut that article out. said, the program it. just left. I'm like, did the program walk out? <laughs> That's what I was actually doing. Associate Press is going to get fired for writing a dumb typo. They should have said it was broken or it was lost. Or it was yeah. The program just walked out. <laughs> That's really profound. Escape implies an intent. Escape implies an intelligence. Escape implies the ability to move itself. And the, the ability to erase its trail, its, its computer logs behind it so that people could figure out where it went. Mm -hmm. And I was just fascinated by that, that story. So I actually spent, um, I'm a bit of a nerd, and so um, an artistic nerd, I guess. You're, you're edgy. You, want, you just like to learn, you know? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure this out in my head. How could a program escape an NSA spy lab? So it's a spy program. So I spent several months trying to figure it out, how it could escape, which implied all those other things. And I thought, well, what was it designed to do that had that amazing? I want to say, this is real life. This is not, this is not the movie <laughs> I, Robot. <laughs> this is not Eagle Eye. This is real life. When I finally finished, uh, we produced a short uh, webisode series that was super popular back at the time. And had fans all over the world, including... Uh, a leading guy at NASA whose who's alias, get this, was Orbit at NASA.gov. Wow. Super co coolest alias I've ever heard. Um, it's like saying I'm, I'm <laughs> a you know, rocket man at NASA. But uh, when we, we, were, we had a studio option um, for the show, 
And then two weeks before the, the option was due, two FBI agents showed up at my door. And then what? And they were rather perturbed that I had figured out something they really thought should be top secret. So um, they went to the studio and killed the deal. I tucked my tail between my legs, lost <laughs> a lot of money, and went to work for Oracle for a while. Um, but that, that event sparked my imagination as to not only what technology is doing and what it's doing just over the horizon in the next generation, but what the government is doing with that next generation of technology. And that led to all kinds of other things that um, got me thinking about end time prophecy. And, and, uh, but that was really the spark that started me really looking and doing more research into these amazing things and then figuring out how I could actually write about it. We got to get into that. We're, um, well, that's a lot. Yeah, we're gonna, Tony, <laughs> we're what do you think about all of that? <laughs> Tony, do you live a normal life? <laughs> I don't have a life. I, 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 I'm a, basically, I, I'm obsessed with my head. Yeah. No, no, you, you've had a life. You've had a life, guys. You've had a life. Trust me, my guy. <laughs> you've had a life. Other stories that basically have sparked my books, have gone in my books, include... Building a pro a wait 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 guy guy it's Tony's yeah. turn Tony <laughs> Tony what's up we asked you what you thought or tell or tell the people a little bit more about yourself Tony Tony not saying nothing. I would say borderline true or believable and you go damn it I think that could happen in real life those are the books that I like to read those are the movies that I do like to watch. Uh, not because I'm like a conspiracy theorist although you know there are some things out there you go man I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's when you have people knocking at your door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do like that kind of stuff. I am interested in, in watching it and just looking at how the research goes into it and how they kind of make those things fit. And so now when you're writing a, a fictional story about these things or that 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 grab inspiration from it. It's cool because then you can turn and kind of put your little, your spin on it, your your take on where these things originated and that kind of thing. So um, that is something about myself. I do like to read and mostly it's sci-fi books because mm. uh, that, that's the kind of stuff that I do like. Uh, I do have a bunch of stuff here in the background. Uh, it's either part of my childhood, part of my now. Uh, I'm a high school teacher. I coach. So I got a little ball up here. It's my, my girls from softball actually uh, signed that and gave it to me at the end of the season. I'm a huge sports guy. Again, I said I'm from Detroit, so I got tons of Detroit stuff up here. I got some Star Wars. He represented. The, office, the, the mm -hmm. office, best show ever. Uh, Breaking Bad, pretty close. We could, pretty we close. could argue that another uh, time. I mean, best so, show ever is a tough one. So, I guess I would say my favorite show. Like, gotcha. I could throw on The Office any episode, and I got to watch the next episode. That's, that's, just, that's just how good it is. It so is it's light. It's easy. It's easily digestible, as opposed to something like a, like a The Wire or Breaking Bad. Or, yeah, intense. Like Yellowstone. Like those. Yeah, those are intense. You watch one of those episodes, and you got to, like, relax. Like, you got to chill. <laughs> you got to kind of like, man, what did I just watch? Amazing, mm -hmm. amazing shows, though. So... Uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Also, have my own podcast, mm. uh, the Living Numbers Podcast, uh, where I interview people kind of like this. Yeah. So, lots of fun. Cool, oh, that's cool. awesome. So now that we have an intro with everyone here, now we can start the cipher, right? Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on in America. We can say, particularly 
in the different parts of America. And I know it sounds like all of us are from different parts. Like we're from Brooklyn, New York. You're from Detroit, Tony. And Guy, one more time, where are you at right now? Uh, Puget Sound, which is uh, northwest of Seattle. Okay, okay. Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Copy, copy. So you further up north. That's why it's colder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He so. got a little. He got. He gets more than New York weather. A little colder, right? Yeah, yeah. So ironically enough, I'm gonna show you how how the world is so big and so small at the same time. We're from Canarsie, and the 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 guy that also started Starbucks Coffee that owned the Seattle Supersonics at one point. He's also from Canarsie. Really? Yeah, he grew up in 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 Bayview Projects. I forget his name. What's the dude's name that owns Starbucks Coffee? Uh, Roger Stoltz. Yeah, Roger Stoltz. He used to come to our graduation. He used to come to our high school graduation and give us a speech every year about like how it's important and school's important because he he went to the same high school as us. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Small world. Full circle. So connected, looking back. <laughs> I like bringing different people from different places together on the real world, so we can have real conversations. Currently, what is the atmosphere where you guys are at? Because we're in New York, right? And you know, generally in New York, everything is extra. You know, things are more expensive. It's busy. They always bring in new laws, new rules, new regulations. There's a lot of crime. All these things going it's fast. on. Fast. Very fast. Now, on top of that with the economy being so bad right now at this point is becoming even harder for a lot of people to live almost in and new york they're saying that a certain administration is declining to declare this to be a rust session but we see how things are going so what do you guys think and based on how based on how things are going where you guys live what's the current climate we can start off with yeah, guy yeah yeah go go ahead well, uh, I'm a high school teacher, so I see a lot of kids every day, and I'm also in contact with parents. And so I could speak from more of a, a social, emotional point. People are kind of, I mean, they're on, like, pins and needles. Like, everything is, is, is offensive. You know, everybody's trying to, um, yeah, everything's on edge. You know, people <clears throat> feel vulnerable. You know, people are, are very sensitive at this point because there's so many different things out there. Uh, and I was talking to uh, some of my kids and they were asking, like, was was suicide uh, like the same when I was growing up? Wow. I said, well, <laughs> wow. I think the difference. Yeah. The difference is um, right now. How old are they? said high school? More. Mm -hmm. Yeah. High school. Wow. I mean, this is what people are talking about. Like, you see all the stuff that happens with schools. Yeah. And we were doing drills. That's what it was. Because they were talking about, like, school shootings. Right? So we do our drills, uh, you know, every every quarter. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we kind of got on the subject. Because, you know, we were talking about our lockdown drill. Yeah. We, in, we all got to move. So we were talking about that. And I said that we uh, don't have more hate today. We just have access to more hate. I said when a kid gets bullied, right? Back in my day, and I'm only 33 years old, right? I graduated high school in 2007. You got bullied. Maybe you maybe got bullied at school. Maybe you got into a fight. You went home, and it was like, oh, that was over. It. Now, now it's on video. It's on <laughs> it's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. People are sending you the video. People are adding you or, or commenting with your name in the video. It's like a whole two or three layers 
extra of bullying. So you're not even getting away from it when you leave. You get home and it's just like piled on. Like you, yeah. you just have extra bullying on top of your bullying. You got a side of bullying with with whatever you got at, at school. And so now there's this pressure. Like before, it was like, okay, now you got to fight them again. <laughs> but it's just... It, you know, but, but it, it's, you, you got to stay on it's guard. It's up to the, to the 20th power now. Like, and, and people don't want to be... Being embarrassed is the the biggest thing that can happen because... This, again, this topic is hitting home. Because um, when you... Wait, it, it, yeah, when Guy was yeah, talking yeah, about on technology... And then you bringing up the society now. I feel like technology is playing a huge part in people's behavior. Like in terms of we becoming yeah. more antisocial when we're supposed to be more social. On social media, everybody's supposed to be connected, but it's like we're trying to be less connected now. Mm. Yeah, that's something. I think that people have lost touch with how to be in the present with people that you're next to because we're always on our phone so much. And I see it in class. I mean, I had to, like, yell out of class today. I'm like, get off the stinking phone. Like, we're doing something. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know what you see up there in, uh, in, New in, York? in Seattle with the sound guy. But mm-hmm. down here, it's, it's, it's real edgy. And people are personally, mentally, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a real tough time for a lot of kids. And last thing before I let you go. I call parents and I email parents. They like we don't know what to do. Like, we need help. <laughs> so we got our we got our work cut out for us. But mm-hmm. you know, you just you keep loving and you keep living and you do your best. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That technology is having a negative impact on, on our on our culture. I think it's 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 caused us to lose touch with our own community, our own family, um, in a very negative way. Now I'm I'm an old guy. So I have a bit of a perspective. I grew up in the '60s, early '70s. When, You've seen the change. And I, I grew up in. I was a, a poor kid, so I was the token white kid in, in the barrio in Southern California. I, I was a, I was a homeless street kid in LA. Uh, lived in the hood for a little bit of time. He was Eminem. He was Eminem. Tony from Detroit. My life trajectory took a, a different trajectory, but working in the technology field for so many years, there was a time when we really had the compassion and, and the, 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 the real belief that we were going to change the world in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think social media, artificial intelligence, um, surveillance, um, technology then twisted. It was about the, it was after 2001, technology started morphing to rather than being for our benefit to basically being used to manipulate control and and you're right if you go on social media and and I have to be in order to promote my books Mm -hmm. but I really don't like it there's so much hate and you're right it's not that the people are hating more but they're the voices are amplified and and multiplied that is definitely dividing us more than we've ever been divided before. And I think that's one of the reasons why I write my books. The third theme in my books is that we've entered in times. And when we look at climate, we look at population, we look at pollution and environmental degradation, species loss, artificial intelligence, um, the division of, um, uh, of, of the, the, our communities and our culture and our country. Of our homes, families. 
And in, a, in my part, my goal is to help people step away from, you know, kind of that idolization of technology and artificial intelligence, some of these other things to say, we're on a trajectory. Prophecy is less about how God will destroy humanity as, to, as opposed to how humanity is going to do it to ourselves. Hmm. And, and when we look at all of the prophecies, hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled to date, I actually developed a, a very complex uh, probabil uh, probability regression model um, years ago to basically say what's the likelihood that would happen uh, against these prophecies. And, I, and that, this was before so many other things had come to pass. But I would, at that time, even then, it was like 1 in 1.4 trillion that was random. So that really started me changing my thinking. It started me backing away from my career and trying to pursue wealth and, and success. It started me really kind of um, made me really stop drinking the Kool-Aid uh, to some extent. Right, I love blue pill. And it started me opening my eyes to, okay, yeah, we're building this technology, but how is it going to be used? What's, what are the negative ways that this technology could be used. And, and you're right, we, we are in a, in a cultural time, and this is not just in America, this is global. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at, this is a global phenomenon, mm -hmm. and we're in a cultural time when it really behooves each of us and individuals to find that sense of, to, to get rooted, to really get rooted, and to carry our peace with us. We can't, there was a time when we could kind of count on the community, the family, the community, the, you know, the, the local governments to basically bring some of that yes. and, and be part of it. We just had to be part of it. But now we've reached a time when we really have to define ourselves um, in contrast to those things going on around us. Mm -hmm. my, my son hated me. I wouldn't let him do video games. I wouldn't let him get involved in some of those things. He now works for Apple, but for a long time he really wouldn't. <laughs> thought I was the worst dad in the world because I, I kept him from some of those things because I could see where they were going. And, and now I'm, I'm grateful. He's really rooted. He's really kind of got a balance now, and I think that's a big part of it. So I, you're, you're absolutely right on, Tony. This is part of where we're going, and we have to, to make a choice. We have, each have to make a personal choice how we're going to respond to that tsunami <laughs> of, of disinformation and hate and, and fracture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> one of the things that I could say is that um, one of the things that I wrote about while in grad school was cyberbullying and I wrote a research paper on it um, about the effects of cyberbullying and how has how it has affected um, the youth today and like you guys said it used to be one thing where someone bullies you when you go home at least you go back to your family now like it kind of follows you for until you go to sleep speaking of a personal experience um i'm a i'm a clinical social worker so i work at a mental health um, facility and there's there's schools nearby and one day i was walking to get lunch and as i'm walking to get lunch um these kids start fighting so these kids are stomping on this kid because what the kid wrote online that he's gonna do something to his ops, you know, to his oppositions, <laughs> and so they saw it online and they came to him in real life and he started. <laughs> and like, what you wrote online? What you wrote online? And I'm stopping this fight and I, I end up getting kicked in my hand. I just got feeling back in my finger right now. You Imagine know, it took that. a while and. 
eventually people flag down traffic because the kids are fighting in the street. One kid, he's trying to step on this other kid. He's trying to stomp him out. And they got such like, rage, man. And eventually the police come in. And when the police come in now, <laughs> the police breaks up the fight. Instead of being in a 10 minutes, but I'm going to reopen the room. So then... On my way back now, by the time I go to the store and come back, they already got the tape of the fight on TikTok. Because there's kids on the corner. It's already like, look at the guy in the brown jacket. He's right there. <laughs> <laughs> by the time I get back to work, I'm like, yo. Now you're famous. Breaking <laughs> <laughs> up a fight. And it's like, okay, now look at the kid that got beat up in this fight. Now he got to live with that. He got to go back to school and deal with that. And he's going to probably want revenge. And, it, and he's probably going to want it in, 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 in the worst way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we put all that together, it, it becomes a lot. Like, you know. Someone's lost somebody or someone's going through something, we'll, we'll invite them to the house or take them a meal. But when people, I get pinged all the time, daily, I get people trying to DM me on social media. FBI? <laughs> Basically, push that part down. <laughs> <laughs> Say, devil, get behind me. <laughs> I can't remember what it was like. <laughs> So I tell the people that I tell, my grandkids and others, and they don't always listen to me, 
they really do. They think I'm out of touch, but I tell them that, that if they really want to be happier, they'll they'll be happier if they, they start learning how to unplug. That's very true. Tony, what do you think? Because you're a school teacher, so you see these kids all the time on their phones. Like, one of the weirdest things, and, and I'll say I'm guilty of it myself. Like, I can meet someone in real life, and then I'll speak to them online more, but then people have a different persona when you flip it. When you meet them in real life, they'll act way more shy than outgoing as they are online. So what do you think about that, Tony? I mean, well, you can hide behind the veil, mm. right? Because online, you always present your best self to everyone, mm. right? Nobody sees you when you wake up on the mor in the morning online unless that is the, the persona that you want to create. Like, oh, yeah, I'm the real one. <laughs> this is me without the makeup, just woke up, right? But again, it's a creation, right? You're not in the middle of just people and things happen and you're reacting, and you're mm -hmm. acting, and, and you listen. You to don't have full control over everything. Yeah, like you're just reacting to your surroundings. Mm -hmm. Online, you create the surrounding. You create what you want people to see. So that's why it's easier for people to just hang out online, say whatever they want to say, because you know they they got all the filters on. They got all the pictures <laughs> that they want you to see. They got emojis. Yeah, they could smile without smiling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to laugh at your comment anymore. I can send the computer to laugh for me. Right? So, yeah. Or just write LOL yeah. with a straight face. Without even being <laughs> sad. So that's, that's the difference. And one thing Guy mentioned is like these kids really don't know who they are. Like it's hard to trust in yourself when you don't even know who you are. And so we used to have, I think, a little bit more space. Right? I don't want to be the person saying, like, oh, it was so great back then. But we had more space to kind of figure that out. When now, again, everything you do is online. Everything you do is going to be remembered. Well, we're going to take every, a, we're going to have to take a, a two-minute break. Uh, five years later. Well, not yet. You we, well, we have time to this. You two have to cut off. We're not not giving any room to grow, to yeah, become a, a new person, a different person, to have different experiences. Mm. And so that's the, the biggest issue like for these kids nowadays is they don't really have the space to grow. Like they always want to be on. Like they always want to be, I'm 100% good. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be vulnerable. See? <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back. Now, yeah. But thinking about it, man, that's pretty much what holds me in music. All these songs I make, I kind of don't want to get stuck to the image. Because if I'm thinking about the songs I made when I was 24, I'll be a dog to women all the time. <laughs> we have a song, um, Looking Ass. <laughs> well, I already said ass. Looking Ass Hoes. And that was, you know, to counter Nicki Minaj. If I, and I didn't want to put the song out there because of, you know, I didn't want to be tied to always being that image, you know? Shoot. I wanted to ask him about, um... They're gonna come back. Religion. They're coming back now. Yeah. Son said... <laughs> So that said, yo, 
the program ran away. <laughs> I'm like, oh nah. <laughs> can can you guys hear me? Yeah, I don't hear anybody. Okay, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Mike check, y'all good? There we go, there we go. Okay, okay, copy, copy, copy. I've got about 15 more minutes. All so right. Just... So do we. Yeah, so, right. do we. so do we. <laughs> <laughs> it works perfectly. It works out for all of us. But I wanted to just make a quick comment on what Tony was saying, and, say, and I think there's a truth to that. And, and because online we are trying to present a what I would call a shallower version or a facade of ourselves, mm. Not only are we getting that all of that negative impact from the world and all the things around us, but we're not having a chance. It, you don't get the chances we used to have. And I, I didn't have it in my family. I had a very dysfunctional family, but I did have some good friends. Mm -hmm. I, I, you can choose your. You can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. That was my friend. And, <laughs> and if you can find people that you can trust, what you can do offline that you can't do online is work through the issues. Mm -hmm. Talk it out, be real, talk about what you're really going through, you know, be the negative part of yourself and have the people real word. encourage you. <laughs> um, when you're always trying to present a facade, you're never resolving or finding it roots for who you really are. And unless you have that in your family or in your your spouse or in your in your church or someplace else, that online and and I have teenagers. I have teenage grandchildren who are really struggling, mm -hmm. and part of it is because they don't really have that because of all the social. They don't really have that sense of being being able to be real and working through their problems in a honest, open, uh, frank but loving space. Mm -hmm. And the online community doesn't give you that. I wanted to ask some guy about the your thoughts on the religious corruption because um one of the things is you, you said we was talking about you know they don't have a peace within themselves you know everyone has to start creating a peace within themselves where they can feel relaxed when they're off the computer mm. and I thought of you know peace usually has to do with your your religious beliefs like what do you believe about life and if there's religious corruption a lot of these people can't be at peace. If they don't know how to, you know, if they don't know like a grounded way of life, they are always going to be um, antsy, you know. They're always going to feel like they don't belong or they always going to feel like they got to fight. Yeah. So I was wondering about what is, um, what do you know about the religious corruption? Well, oh, I, both of you. <laughs> a couple of comments on, on that really is that first off, there are really good churches still out there, right? Mm -hmm. You just, they're harder to find. Um, there are churches that are more f focused on their their show, their Sunday morning show, to get more people in and to get more revenues, and they've changed the ability to become a, a spiritual community to work those things out, and they've changed into a, a profit-making, build-your-business kind of venture. Mm -hmm. And then there are churches that are basically uh, what I would call overly politicized, right, where They've, the, uh, I'll say it up front, Christian nationalism has nothing to do with Christianity, it's pure political power movement. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with changing your life and becoming more Christ-like within yourself. Now, those things are all talked about in prophecy. So, even when you're expecting those things, 
it's still hard to live with. It's still hard to adjust yourself to. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when we look at um, the scriptures, it tells us two things. It tells us, first off, we have to be rooted in ourselves with our relationship with God. Without that, there's nothing else that anybody else is, nobody, you can't inherit somebody else's faith. You have to, it, it's Facts. something that you have to have for yourself. And if, if you have that, then you can basically go and say, well, this church is, you know, it has, has these issues or those issues. And you can find a place, if you're patient, you can find a place where you can be at home and, and find those things where it's, it's not affecting us. But the fact is, is I can, and I can attest to this over a, a span of decades, it has moved. The needle has moved. It used to be where churches didn't need to be big. They didn't want to be big. They were more about being real. Um, and, and now you've got that kind of um, dual problem of televangelism, um, even local churches that aren't on TV trying to go after more of the growth and the money, or they're trying to go after the, the political voice, hmm. and they've lost their faith. Um, so um, I, I think that's not only something that's happened, um, we, can, we can document how it's happened, but the question that I always get to those things is, okay, it's happened, how do I respond? Hmm. How do I respond to that? I, I can't change the, what's happened the only thing I can change is my response to it. And so that's where I, I get back to, it, it's going to be there. You have to accept that it's going to be there. You have to re-open, keep open eyes that it's going to be there. You can't try and pretend that it, the way it used to be. Uh, and But you can decide as an individual how we respond. Yeah. Oh, man. I like can, I get, can I get in here? Yeah, all right, go ahead. <laughs> I like the response. So it's, it's, so I grew up, my grandmother was was the Bible thumper. Like, it was basically, you know, if you don't learn these scriptures, like, today, like, you're done. You're going to hell. So, <laughs> so I, I honestly, um, I hated that growing up. So I, I pulled away, you know, from the church. That was, I, I relate to that. My father was like that to me. Like, oh, yeah, see? I so relate to like, that. But if this, if this is what Jesus is, like, I don't really want to be involved. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of that. This is awful. This is awful. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the military. Like, <laughs> Exactly. But as Guy talked about, once I started to, I'm not going to say figure it out, right? Because you got to be called. Um, but once I started to take my faith seriously, right? And I, I experienced God for myself, uh, then it was kind of like, well, I mean, there's nothing that can really happen that's going to change that for me, right? It's something unlike anything else. And so, like he said, like everybody has to, that has to happen for you individually. There's no way. Um, and it all goes back to also, uh, when you start talking about a church, I've been with basically one church my adult life. And it's been about a decade, maybe a little bit more, uh, where I found good people, real people. Where you get this space to go, yeah, yeah, man, you know, they'll call you out, like, hey, this, <laughs> this is where we are, but, but, how, let's let's work through this. Hmm. Like, how can we figure this out? You know, if you broke, okay, because a lot of times we look at money as a, a, a that's the symbol of status. Like, am I doing well? Does my does my religion work or not? <laughs> is it good enough? Okay, hmm. if you are broke, because the Bible talks about money a lot, quite often. Right? What are the religious or not religious practices, but what is the way God is, is telling you that you 
should live in order to be the best that you can be. Right? Because it says your gift will put you in front of kings and queens, right? Mm -hmm. And not just for nothing. So it's all about kind of directing you. What are the gifts that God is giving you? And now how can we serve God? How can we serve our community in that way? Because that's where you're going to be the best person that you can be. When, when you start to do those things, you start to serve God, you start to serve people. Now you're cooking with gas. Now you're going to start to see these different opportunities happen for you that you don't deserve, right? Now I'm going to start talking about grace. Y'all don't get me preaching in here, but... <laughs> the, the choice, the choice, like, I got... Tony, like, I, I got to tap... Y'all tap me in, like... <laughs> hey, man. I just... Been there, man. I've been there. I appreciate the passion behind it, man. That's perfect. When you just meet cool people, this it was a friend from high school. She wasn't even a friend. I'm not even gonna lie to you. It was kind of an acquaintance. We knew some of the same people. And she was like, We've been hooping that Bible study. I was like, I'm married. When is the next Bible study? Mm -hmm. I'm in. <laughs> and so that thing, that thing that I could connect to, that got me to the church. Amazing. Right? And so from there, it was like, Dang, that cool. Oh, he graduated from the same high school I graduated a couple of years ago. Okay, who he cool, they cool. Okay, it was just cool people and their hearts were in the right place. Nobody was trying to be perfect. Nobody was trying to, you know, feel like they're better than any other any other person. It's like we all trying to figure this out together. And just to see the fruit of each person's labor. That's, that's how you know. I mean, that's what the words say. We know them by their fruit, right? What are they doing? You can talk about all you want to, right? Like my grandmother said, you know, she talked about the Bible and she would throw it at you and, you know, it was, it, it was what it was. But, like, what does the fruit say for her, her life? You know, so, I mean, I, you know, I can could, I could go on and on, but, you know, that, that part about being connected to a church of real people, really getting into it. Like, okay, you addicted to porn. Okay, how can we get through this? Yeah. Okay, you're a cheater. How can we get through this? You're bad with money. How can we get through this? Right? It gives you that space to grow and to get better and to, uh, you know, glorify God through, through the midst of it. I call it accountability with love. <laughs> Justice is accountability, but growth is accountability with love. <laughs> and, you know, we, we need both in society, but um, we, we grow as individuals when there's accountability with love. <laughs> If I could speak on this, um, I've been in the church for a long time. I've been at the same church for about twenty-eight years. Um, <clears throat> I've been I've been a youth minister since two thousand and fifteen, and eventually got ordained as a minister. And it's it's tough dealing with that and. In I was real gonna life, say, you know, I, I was gonna say you you kind of got the bus, the both, yeah, and both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say it's been tough, you know, because um, we all want to be saved, we all want to do good, we all want to reach that place of enlight enlightenment, but we all fall victim to the flesh, you know, the things that we got to deal with every day, the things that make us weak. Mm -hmm. And I was having a talk with my friend the other day. And he's, he's in a wheelchair. He's paraplegic. I'm paralyzed from the waist down. And me and him was talking. And it got to the point where we was talking about um, dealing with sin. And he was like, I'm not even going to lie to you. It's easier for me to deal with sin because I'm in a wheelchair. There's certain things I can't do that's going to put me in a situation so where it's where I'm going to sin. <laughs> he said, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a man. So, you know, I... I'm a preacher, so I know, but I also know I'm going to fall. So if I'm falling, I'm going to do it quick. 
I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, if I'm falling, I'd rather just get a prostitute and, <laughs> and just be done with it. I'm like, why? He said, he said, he said, because the more I continue to lie and indulging in it, the more comfortable I, I become and the more I try to silence the God in me to continue to harbor the sin. Interesting fact. And I was like, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So later on, we went out to eat later on in the week and we ended up going to this place. Um, we was trying to go out to dinner to, to, to a quiet dinner so we could speak and catch up on old times because this is a friend from from elementary school and I knew him when he was an atheist up until now where he's overly religious where he's everywhere he goes he wants to preach Mm -hmm. so we end up in this so we thinking that we're gonna go to this restaurant to go to eat and then it end up being like a bar slash lounge slash restaurant place and he's like hey brother (laughs) I don't know what to do here but I gotta (laughs) preach the gospel to these people I'm like yo I don't think it's the time or the place for that because it's always the time and the place I'm like I'm like yeah he he needs to find the (laughs) balance and I think that's what life is all about the balance and I think sometimes when people try to portray something that they're not publicly it then the image then becomes bigger than themselves and then in the back they gotta hide just like when celebrities get caught with prostitutes or, or when politicians get caught with prostitutes or when the pastor gets caught with prostitutes because they're trying to be so perfect in the eye but they got to hide these afflictions that continues to bother them on the low and they got to deal with their demons, you know? And sometimes our demons don't mesh with others, so we judge others before their demons. That falls into the internet too. Um, yeah. You create this persona about yourself, but, you know, every human has a demon, you know, in terms of some dark past or something that's, you know, the body is weak to. Yeah. So it's like when it comes to online, it's like you could never show that. I think that's where <laughs> corruption comes in when you gotta cover that because someone else, if you don't cover them, they might overexpose you, and that's, no, that's when corruption into comes into the religion. Politics, when, yeah. <laughs> when too much of man comes within one, but in, in our culture, we've idolized wealth and success. Yeah, of course. It's just something you know. It's it's boy. I know, but you guys know it sucks to be poor and broke. <laughs> just there's no good feeling about that. Um, but the other side of it is when we start idolizing those that are successful and those that are wealthy, we, we forget about how we stay humble and rooted. And the best scriptures or the best stories in the Bible for me are David who basically had an affair. He was, he was supposedly had God's own heart, mm-hmm. but he had an affair. He went and sent somebody to be murdered mm-hmm. on, the, on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He had lots of problems, but his response to being called out mm-hmm. for his problems was to was to admit it um, and and change, and I think we have to have be the same. We're, we can't expect us to be perfect. We're going to all make mistakes, um, but it's when we start idolizing those who look on the outside that they're not making mistakes, but they're super successful. But inside, they're they're but Jesus the 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 one class of people that Jesus rebuked the most were the Pharisees, the most religious, the most supposedly perfect people. Um, he rebuked them constantly because they had thought that, that their righteousness was of their own and that they could judge other people. Um, when inside, he basically called them dead man's bones. And I think we have to kind of put those things in balance, right? You, that he's not calling us to be perfect in our flesh. He's calling us to keep working on it in our flesh. Gary, and, powerful. Um, and that's, I think, the key. 
And, I, and we've kind of lost tr- touch with that. And we see, I mean, we just look at the politicians. There's a, half of the Congress is millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, but half the Congress are also really <laughs> horrible people. <laughs> yeah. They don't really care about the people. I, I wouldn't want them babysitting my kids. My kids <laughs> running the country. You know, yeah. So we have to kind of realize that the things, and, and I, had, I made a lot of money during my career. I also lost it. You know, I had God had to break me. He had to basically. I had some a business that just failed. I lost almost everything. I basically had to. It's a real world. It's a real world.